This is the Love Intently podcast, and I'm Sophie Kwok, your host and the founder of Love Intently, where our mission is to empower thriving relationships. Real quick before we dive into this week's episode, have you taken our love personality quiz yet? It's a fun way to learn how you and your partner love similarly or differently. You can find it at loveintently.com. It's empowered a lot of couples to start these conversations about what is meaningful to them and what matters most to them. But also, if you're single, I highly recommend getting to know the stuff about yourself now so that when you are in a relationship, you're able to communicate what works for you and what doesn't and learn that about your partner. And this week's episode is with Matt and Steph Rubin. Matt is the classic serial entrepreneur. He's had a few successes, including an acquisition in his last startup, as well as a few failures, including a dating app called Date While You Wait. Currently, he is the founder of Opti and Aramu. Aramu is a preventative maintenance for your personal and professional relationships. They believe that we should treat our relationships like we treat our bodies with annual checkups. The relationship checkup is a brief evidence-based intervention that identifies your relationship strength, weaknesses, and areas of concern. It provides useful and specific suggestions to move towards deeper understanding, connection, and practical solutions for potential issues. It helps with relationship health in the long run, and couples who've participated report higher levels of relationship satisfaction, intimacy, and healthy communication with lower levels of conflict, divorce, and depression. That sounds pretty great to me. Speaking of Aramu, we are partnering together to give away one relationship checkup to one of our lucky listeners because you guys are incredible. To find the details of this giveaway, go to our Instagram and find the podcast release episode graphic for this episode, and you'll see all the details enter. And you must follow both Relationship Checkup and Love.Intently to qualify. This has a $200 value, and we will announce giveaway winners in one week from the podcast release. Don't miss out as the Relationship Checkup has been featured on Rachel Ray, CNN, New York Times, and The Oprah Magazine. And the other startup Matt is currently working on started as a frustration with ESPN's app, and it grew into a full-fledged AI-based marketing platform to help companies build robust, smart profiles for their customers and to better target them. Steph is currently in real estate, so if you or anyone you know needs an agent to help find a home in Boston, she is your person. Additionally, on this episode, she so bravely and openly shared her journey with ADHD and depression, and her and Matt share the practicals of how they navigated through both entrepreneurship and mental health. It's so important and something that we don't talk about enough, but they shared some just really great nuggets of wisdom, and not to mention they have a kid, and they kill it as being parents too, and you just know by the way they talk to and about each other and how they talk about their kid. It's beautiful. So without further ado, here is our incredible conversation. We met when we were teenagers. 16. 16. And uh, we were counselors at the same day camp. And uh, we met and we flirted, but we both had different significant others. 
and must have made an impression because <laughs> summer ended, years went by, and this one decided to just look me up randomly. We weren't even. I was having drinks with a another former counselor at the camp, and he was like, "Oh, do you remember Steph?" And I was like, yeah, man, like she might've been the one that got away. Like we flirted so hard, but didn't do anything about it. So yeah. Sorry. Go so on. He reached out to me using Facebook nice. and we met for a drink and that's how we reconnected. It was probably six years later after we, yeah, met. we were like 22 yeah. or 23. Yeah. And then when did you kind of know that this was someone you wanted to marry and start a family with and start a life with? Was there a moment? Still, still waiting. <laughs> still trying to figure. I mean, I think for me, I had gotten out of like the person I was dating when I met Steph. We broke up after like six years, and so I had—I don't know. I, she always stuck in my mind as like, who was this girl that I just flirted with all the time? And like, I don't know if it was like the you know pleasure delaying that like I you know flirted for so long and never got to like kiss her or do anything that it was just like stuck in my brain as like something I built up. But I don't know. I always just like, I guess had a thing. She like planted a seed and it grew over like the six or seven years. And so before we even had our, yeah, I don't know. to have a family with me. (laughs) I think I knew you were special. I knew you were special. I I think I knew you were special and like you made an impression on me. And I think that that went a really long way. I think the point that I knew, I don't know if there's like, there wasn't like, there's not a memory that sticks out in my head as like, this is when I knew, but I always felt like I could be like hundred percent myself. And that's so cliche to say, but like with other people I dated, I always felt like I was either putting on a facade or not like a full facade, but like sometimes it's like, yeah, whatever. Like I like that when I really don't. Um, and I just, I don't know. We, we're pretty open and blunt with each other. And I think that's something I respect in other people's like, just tell it to me how it is. Like don't sugarcoat it. And Steph never sugarcoats. Um, so I think it was probably the fact that like we could get through conversations or issues by just like being blunt with each other. And I mean, sometimes it's hard <laughs> when we're being blunt with each other, but that's, I don't know. That was, yeah. So no real memory unless you've got one. Um, I mean, we dated pretty casually for, I would say, five, four or five months. And during that time, he was just really kind. And towards the end of it, I mean, I was sick. You know, he would bring me homemade chicken soup, provided it was the worst chicken soup I've ever had in my entire life. Like, truly awful. I threw it out. But he made it. And he brought it to me. And, you know, and just like someone that you want to be around and and that's what really stuck in my head out you know i hadn't always gone for the nice guy no offense and no, that's fine this was that's why i made you bad soup because i want to be like the bad boy i'm actually a pretty good cook so i just made the a bad, really bad, the bad soup. nice guy yeah <laughs> so yeah i mean and just i convinced myself over dating that this is actually something that is good for me instead of what had been in my past so how long did you guys date before you guys got engaged and then got married? What was kind of the timeline for Don't you guys? Don't quiz me on this. Okay. Okay. I think we got engaged in 2013, 11. We got married in we, 13. We, we got dated, married in 13. We dated for two years before we got engaged and we were engaged for two years. 
Okay, so 11. And then we got married in 2013. That that makes sense. So we had been together for four years by the time we got married. How did you ask? Oh, boy. Uh, he asked me to marry him in a bathroom. <laughs> there, well... That's the short story. Yeah, there's there's <laughs> there's some interesting stories behind this whole proposal. I guess just the the asking itself. I ended up I got like a dozen roses or something and made a scavenger hunt all around the apartment. It was like a house. It was basically a house we were renting. I made a scavenger hunt that went all through the house and the way the house was laid out, the only place where I could be hiding and like make sure that she didn't see me was in this Jack and Jill bathroom we had on the second floor because there were other ways to get in and out and I knew she hated going into the Jack and Jill bathroom. So that's where I hid so that I could pass her through 11 clues and have the 12th clue lead to the Jack and Jill, the room she hated the most. And so I like popped out of the shower and- Proposed to <laughs> and proposed. I was clothed, I was clothed in the shower. It was not online. <laughs> that's hilarious and really cute and adorable. Well, I still you it is. A, it's a pretty decent story, I guess. Yeah. Okay, Matt. You, Steph. What do you do for work? I am currently a real estate agent. I used to be a behavior therapist, but now I'm kind of a lazy real estate agent. <laughs> and, yeah, you guys are both pretty entrepreneurial. Uh, I wanted to kind of ask you about that journey, like Matt. You started a few companies and have gone through acquisitions. How has that been in your relationship? And when did you start kind of the startup life? Was it before or after you guys were together? I mean, I, yeah, I've been doing startups since like, I'd say even before college. I mean, I used to set up like a table at the foot of my driveway and sell baseball cards to people driving by. <laughs> um, but yeah, I started like real stuff more in college. And then once I graduated, the first company I worked for was a startup, left that, worked for another startup. Those were definitely more established, you know, or yeah, proof of concept had been proven. So I think that sort of warmed stuff up to it. I, I, don't know, I always would, and I still have like these crazy ideas for a business or a product or whatever. And Steph calls them my white rabbits and even gets me like little ceramic ones that she displays every time I have a wild and crazy idea. So I think I like prepped her for sort of the lifestyle. So many ideas. <laughs> so many ideas. Weird but, ones too. Yeah. Good ones. And weird well, ones. the weird ones I don't pursue usually. Untrue. You said usually. <laughs> but I think... I don't know any better because I haven't worked for like the big fortune 500s or whatever, but it can be really emotionally difficult starting up a company or working with co-founders when you, you know, your equity is in the business versus just a paycheck. I think the hardest part that like neither of us really knew until it happened was the emotional strain that sort of when a company either is doing well or isn't doing well takes on sort of the stress level that you bring home and the whole startup culture, like you can't leave work at home. And the night, even like with your ABA stuff, when you're working at the schools, like you still took some of it home, not nearly to the degree of, you know, one of my companies, I was getting phone calls at eight o'clock, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. It didn't matter. And I'd have to answer it even if we were out of dinner. So I think that was something I hadn't quite 
understood myself or like prepared Steph for. Yeah. I mean, we just kind of rolled it. It was always part of our relationships. Our relationship grew around being an entrepreneur. So it's never, it didn't hit me out of the blue. You know, he was always coming home with ideas and he's always been very passionate. So, you know, there would be bad days where he would just be like screaming on the phone to me, not like at me, just screaming about work, truly screaming. (laughs) And, but there would be days that he would come home really excited um, you know, because of this opportunity or an idea he had or something he got to follow through on. And it's the type of thing where I could always put my two cents in, which made me feel valued because my opinion mattered. And whether it was just, you know, uh, editing for grammar or an email or, um, or weighing in on a bigger idea. I, I like how his brain works. I also hate it, but um, it's definitely been interesting. But I, I don't think our our really I can't really compare it to any other relationship or any our relationship without it, just because that's always it's been true. part of it. Yeah, I, the that was a second company. So I was working for a software company when we first met, and that was getting acquired. So I left and helped uh, start like an events and sports company, and so Steph an athlete herself and also not shy of ski slopes or, or whitewater rafting or uh, whatever party or whatever so uh, we were throwing. So she was always at sort of the events that I needed to be at, which was nice because we got to hang out and like part of our dating experience was around events that we got to go to for free, um, like free ski trips. Who's going to complain about that? Mm-hmm. Um, but I also like had to work and like had to have like my my work face on. I couldn't just, you know, sit in the corner and chat with her. I had to go, you know, meet people and, and schmooze and take photos and that type I of thing. I did get ditched a lot. But she's she's mm, outgoing. I have <laughs> I had my own friends, yeah. which, made, which made it a lot better. Definitely. Is there anything that you wish you, like, you knew earlier or was something that you would tell yourself earlier in your marriage or relationship on this journey? Like what things were helpful or tips that you would give like a younger version of yourself? I think when things start started to sour at that events company, I took so much of it home. And like Steph said, I'd like call her like super worked up because I said screaming. <laughs> I'm not gonna say screaming, worked up. I may have had louder volume. Um I I, I maybe it's like the double edged sword of of soliciting Steph's opinion on business decisions all the time that she gets like both sides of it that like when things aren't going well I use her as a sounding board as well but I think in that sort of bluntness that we I talked about earlier you know there was a point where she's like you either need to like figure it out or quit you know this is just not working like you're coming home miserable every day so I, I think my advice to other entrepreneurs is make sure you pick your partner's carefully in business and then pick your partners carefully for your personal relationship as well. Cause you are, you know, getting ingrained with your business partners, families and, and their friend circles and, and what they're into and what they're not into. And, and it does trickle back to your family and your family trickles back with your co-founders. I mean, there were those events that we first started dating at were, you know, my co-founders, their families were there. So we all became sort of like this, you know, close knit group. And so it's, um, 
it's tough when things go south. And no one wants to think that way, but I think it's, I don't know, you should always have an exit plan. Mm -hmm. I think what I would tell myself is to always like support your partner, but within reason. I think I, you know, I always wanted to support his dreams. I may not be like the most overly supportive because there are a lot of dreams, but um, you know, I have to pick the ones that I want to support, but also the ones I would have to find a happy balance or happy medium with the ones that I don't support, the ones that I just don't think are are good ideas. Um, like how far do you let me yeah, explore how, like, it and figure know, out how, is it, how yeah. much money gets spent, how much time and resources and energy on these sinking ships, or at least what I view, rightfully so as a sinking ship. So I, I, I don't have the answer for my younger self. I would just kind of caution that, that these types of situations are coming and to tread carefully, but to be honest and, um, you know, really dive into what you support and Mm. I think be supportive, but you know, I think you kind of touched on another point too. Like, I think one of the most, difficult things is sort of the financial conversations that you have to have because every dollar you make or you have, it's like, do I cut it in half and give half to my family and half to the business? Like, how do we figure this out? And I think to Steph's credit, you know, some of the time she's saying like, look, like you don't need to have this crazy expense. Like maybe there's a, a different way that like you can get what you need done for the business, but also, you know, we can have enough money to put food on our table type of thing. Yeah. I think I learned this one a little bit in college, but like I keep learning it. I don't know. Or I keep not learning it, I guess, and keep <laughs> having a, an expensive lesson. Is there some things worth paying more for? That can be Ikea furniture might last you a couple of years, but as soon as that thing gets wet, it's just going to crumble. Whereas if you get a nicer piece, you spend a little bit more money, but you're going to have that forever. The same thing goes with business. There's certain times that you might want to cheap out. I've done that with developers, cheaped out, went to India and it just bombed and I wasted money versus, you know, there's certain times where it makes sense to spend more and get a better product. And I wouldn't just tell it to my younger self. I'd like slap myself across the face with it. So it actually sunk in at some point. Um, But it's really hard to know ahead of time. When is it the right time to like spend more? And when is it the time to, you know, try to get creative? I'm not sure. Maybe that's my problem. It's just hard to, to see around the corners. And it's not that I don't know the lesson. It's just, it's hard to see the cor- around. But I would, I would, I guess, reiterate that to my younger self. Are there other things in retrospect, development being one of them that you would spend more on? Are there other things that come to mind? Staff. Uh, like if your employees or your co-founders or whatever tell you they need something to be successful, Unless they're asking for something absolutely ridiculous, like do it. There were a lot of times where we haven't bought stuff that costs like a couple hundred dollars because we're just being cheap or we're like, no, it's no big deal. But it ends up mattering a lot. It would have solved a lot of problems had we just been smart and and bought it. So, yeah, I I think like if your co-founders or employees say, hey, I need this to be successful, just do it. You've also experienced an acquisition, which if anybody knows anything about them, they can be extremely stressful for both you and your families, I'm sure. What was that process like and how did it impact your marriage, if at all? So the majority owner of the company put it up for sale and 
like let us know that he was doing it. And we found a buyer and we negotiated for a few months. You know, I was, I had already left at that point and was moving on to other things. So it was just kind of, I always hoped it would happen, but you know, I wasn't the majority owner. I couldn't control it. It was stressful. There were a lot of moving pieces between the owners. Yeah. the co. I mean, we were all having, that was like co-founder issue central. Um, and so there was like a lot of negotiation and like, a lot of stuff came to light that had been sort of like buried under the rug for way too long. So his goal at that point was to just get out. Yeah. Make yeah. a clean, clean break, you know, and skip the drama and just get out. I think it's, it's tough separating emotion from business and you have to. And I think at that point we had just like, it had been so long and so tough that with the opportunity, just like, make the emotionless decision and like, let's get out and not look back and have some cash to play with, you know, at that point, uh, it was a no brainer. I'd say it was at the end, it was a huge relief and it was a nice, you know, we could kind of close that chapter, but yeah, as it was messy while it was going down. I can imagine (laughs) what has changed since adding a kid to the mix. Everything, time. Yeah. It's really hard to balance time as an entrepreneur. And I wouldn't say new dad anymore. She's two. But startups, you're working from home half the time. You're working from an office sometimes. Like you're heading out to meetings like all over town. He's been having to work from home to help out with some of the stuff that's been happening since we moved to a new house. You know, we have repair people come in and things like that. And his office door is glass and until today didn't close, (laughs) which means he has a two year old running up to his office door, opening it, screaming dad, 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 while he's on the phone with zero regard for his privacy or need to work. So that's been fun for me to try to like wrangle her away from the door. He says he doesn't mind, but it's cute. (laughs) cute. But, um, I think, you know, generally, I think, you know, we haven't been out to dinner, just us, in a long time, but we do make an effort to sit at the dining room table. doesn't matter if there's a two-year-old running circles around the dining room table, you know, because she's already eaten. We will sit and have a conversation with each other and kind of mix our own personal time at night after she's gone to sleep with time together. So we have to kind of decide, you know, is it, we're just going to do our own thing and relax and help play video games or, you know, I'll lie in bed and watch shows and paint my nails. Or are we going to spend time together? I mean, we played chess the other night. We hadn't played chess in a really long time. So if ever, but, um, yeah, I, I think we just have to be a little more thoughtful of balancing our like me time with our we time. Ooh. Ooh, quote me mm. um yeah but i mean other than that we, we do get a lot of great family time and um our kid is pretty cool so we actually like hanging out with her and, um, <laughs> but it is it's tough during the day it's really tough because it is like it's nice to work from home because she's like i can help them both out type of thing but it's a huge distraction and i think you know the the nice thing about sort of having a more flexible work schedule is I can 
go in late to work and help them in the mornings. And I can always like load in on the back end. Like once, you know, once our daughter's down, I can, I can work again or I can, you know, always sneak away for a few minutes here or there and email on my phone. I mean, that's the nice thing about the smartphones is I can text and email whenever. So, I mean, I, I don't, I can't imagine having like an eight to six or, you know, one of those like law firms where they're yeah. making your burning the candle at both ends. I don't know how you would get home from work and like have half an hour or an hour with your kid. And that's about it. So I think I'm really lucky that I'm in this flexible work environment, but it's very like since having a kid, it's so difficult to try to like balance because it's flexible, I guess, you know, I think it'd be easier if it wasn't flexible. It would just suck. Yeah. Yeah. If that makes sense. What has been one of the harder seasons or biggest conflicts that you guys have had to work through and how did you guys go about doing that? I mean, this house has yeah. been super, the house was super stressful. Um, I have a lot of anxiety around change and um, just in general. So, you know, in planning and building and moving, he's really had to try to understand my anxiety and come from a place of a loving place but also a supportive place and but also sometimes just like I will get it done and I will fix it because that sometimes that's just what I need and I have had to stop hitting the wall literally and try to not to quote what we say to our kids but use my words and so that's been a challenge for us is just kind of when one of us me in this scenario isn't isn't doing well or isn't right and has you know a lot of very specific needs like I when I'm having an anxiety attack I, I just need to be hugged like tight I didn't learn that for the longest time because I didn't tell him because this, this hasn't happened in the nine years of our relationship it hasn't been this bad until recently um so he would say like it's gonna be fine it's gonna be fine and I, but I wasn't getting what I needed but it's also because I didn't tell him so finally like I actually verbalize it and it started getting better so just you know the communication we're not perfect at it by any means but we're trying mm -hmm. so you know when things get hard we just are we're going to try to communicate sometimes we really suck at it but yeah i think i think like my problem solving approach is to take a macro problem and break it down into like as many smaller micro problems and just start checking those little things off and so just in general, part of like some of the conflict we find ourselves in is when there is a problem and I'm trying to like almost over, I'll say almost overanalyze the problem to figure out what are all the little micro problems we need to start checking off and fixing that rubs her the wrong way. It's very overwhelming. Yeah. Like, I don't want to talk about it. We're talking in circles. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm getting more out of this every time we reiterate it. Like I'm, I'm ask, actually asking it a question in a slightly different way, try to understand something else. So I can like overwhelm her with trying to understand the problem and break it down. But that's sort of the way I learn myself of like, okay, what did I do that triggered this? Or what can I do to help avoid it or prevent it or make it better in the, the next time? So I think the house is sort of the, the trigger for it. But I think the biggest point of conflict is like we both approach being frustrated differently where you know i want to talk about it and she doesn't want to talk about it 
And when she does want to talk about it, I want to like over talk about it because I've been stewing on it, like waiting to talk about it it's for really that whole good time. Stewing. <laughs> I'm like an eight hour chili at that point. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think it's really just like we just we argue differently and it's trying to meet in the middle and like give a little bit, give her her space when she needs it and know that I'm going to ask her a thousand questions once we're actually talking is just part of, I think, growing at, in a, as a relationship is understanding how the other person thinks and how the other person argues. Talk to me about Aramu and the relationship checkup and how that has made an impact on your relationship and how you started it. Okay. So Aramu is a proactive relationship healthcare company. The premise is pretty simple. You, we go to the the doctor every year to our primary care to make sure everything with our body is normal. We go to the dentist once or twice a year to make sure our teeth are normal. Um, if any of those, you know, primary care or dentist find something, they take care of it before it's a huge growth or a giant hole in your tooth, hopefully. But when it comes to relationships, like we're generally kind of like left to our own devices and there's not a lot of resources out there unless you're already having an issue and then you go to therapy. So you know, to keep the analogy going, it's like you didn't go to the primary care and your tooth is brown and rotten. And you're like, let me go to the dentist and see if they can fix this. They're not, they're not going to fix it. They're going to yank it out. So the premise with Aramu is that it's basically primary care, but for your relationship. So if you do one, one hour session once a year, my co-founders have done two decades of research on this, where this one hour intervention, where it's almost this format where it's two people huddled together on a webcam talking to one other person. Um, and you just talk about your relationship and, and sort of the strengths you have, the concerns that you have. And they're a trained professional on on how to help you in a proactive approach. So that was sort of the basis of how we got started. And then in the past like year and a half, we've started doing professional checkups. So, you know, as we were talking about earlier, sort of that that the qualities you want in a romantic partner are basically the same that you want in a business partner. And your home life is such a huge area of potential stress for anyone. And their work life is the same thing. I think it's like 80% of stress comes from your relationship with your boss. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we started doing professional checkups as well, where it's not like DISC or, or Myers-Briggs, where you get a whole bunch of letters and hopefully you remember what those letters mean. This is a one-hour session with a trained coach who then walks you through sort of, okay, here are the strengths of your relationship at work. Here's your strength of your relationship uh, or your concerns at work. And here are some good ways to to address those and, and to foster those strengths. So that's the company in a nutshell, one-hour checkups once a year. We did it. Yeah. Before, so I met my two co-founders. I went to Clark University in Worcester. Both my co-founders are faculty there. So I got connected from some alum- or some staff there that knew I was into startups and knew what they were doing and said, hey, I think they're sitting on something cool. They just need help commercializing it. So what Steph alluded to earlier was I've got lots of, you know, lots of different ideas and it's how, to, how does she help me figure out which ones are the, the best ones to actually pursue. And so we took the relationship, check up the romantic one. And it was awesome. Like I was a little on the fence beforehand. I'm like, I don't really know anything about clinicians or relationships like touchy feely like i'm not i don't know but we took it and i thought it was actually really awesome it's been helpful i thought in the first hour we we were able to find out so much and i think in a relationship you don't really walk around always aware of your strengths and your weaknesses in a relationship it's not just like something that's 
you know, on the top of You don't talk about yeah. it. Yeah. Which is, you know, I, at least I've ever, you know, would never be able to just rattle off what my strengths and weaknesses are as a couple. And, you know, we, we, we took this questionnaire and we talked and it was really eye-opening to see what he thought our strengths and weaknesses are versus what I thought our strengths and weaknesses are. And um, I'm pretty sure we agreed I was better at it. Oh, way better. <laughs> way better. You know, but it was just, it was, it was nice to see what he thought we were good at. I think we were both pretty much on the same page with what we were, you know, what we needed to work on. But, it, you know, like from the, from the first hour we were, at least that I was involved in this, it just, it seemed like something everybody needed to do. And like, you need to kind of step outside of your relationship a little bit to see how it functions and how it can function better. And that's not something that people typically do unless there's a problem, as he was saying. So um, it was, you know, it was really nice. I've always been a fan of therapy, but I've always gone when I when I needed to. And so this was really the proactive approach. It's just it's super eye-opening, and I think it has tremendous value um, in relationships and in, in maintaining and strengthening them. Yeah, because you're like you're in a good place when you're doing this, so it's not like traditional therapy where you're talking about a problem either you're having or you're having as a couple. This is like, hey, we're good. We're really curious how we can keep proactive yeah. problem solving instead of react. Right. Right. Yeah. What things shifted for you after you did the checkup? Like what can couples kind of expect and, and how did it positively shift how you guys relate to each other? Yeah. So we, we talk, we, as the business, we talk a little bit about, so James, one of my co-founders talks about like fish and water, um, where fish don't really know they're swimming in water. It's when you like take them out that they realize like, oh crap, this is not what I'm used to being in. And so a lot of the time with at least the concerns that couples have, just knowing that the other, how the other person feels and what they're thinking about can be super eye-opening. You're not going to be able to prevent arguments, but I think you can, you can coach and help prevent sort of the triggers that happen during that argument that make things escalate. And so I think what we found was that it helped identify the escalators for Steph that I do and the escalators that Steph does that like get me more pissed. I mean, I would imagine anyone in a serious relationship has had that argument that started about something and ended up just becoming like, you know, the huge storm cloud about where like that initial argument thing had no, no impact whatsoever and what people ended up being mad about. And so I think for us, as far as the concerns went, we got really practical and tangible feedback of like, here are the things you can try to do and, and like the way you can approach this when you see this behavior starting to happen again. And I thought, I think that was really helpful. The strength side, it, you know, I think. Celebrating our strengths was great. And I, I not only just identifying them, but agreeing on them and feeling proud. I mean, like, you know, you, you want to feel pride in your relationship and celebrating your strengths, I think is really important. So in, in addition to like identifying your weaknesses and these triggers as he was talking about, it's really just celebrating your strengths and being able to talk about your relationship in a positive way is great. I mean, you know, I, I know we, we talk to our friends and family, but we don't really tend to go to, to 
therapists and just brag about our relationship, but even still, it's good for the soul. I mean, to be able to talk like that and and feel good about your relationship and all these uh, you know positive aspects, it really it, it it makes you feel good. Right. I think just as as humans, we're very it's easy and we're very quick to point out when something isn't right. What we're not quick to do is point out when something is going well. You know, something you appreciate about someone else. Um, and so, I, if it's small, like, right? What I yeah. I think this did was like, you know, let us put pause on everything and just like, hey, what do I appreciate about you? Which is like when we're sitting here at our dining room table having dinner, we're not like, you know, what I really appreciate about you. It's just not how people generally communicate. Maybe we should. Um, so I think, you know, and sometimes we're like, hey, I really appreciate all your help today. But I think. You know, it was a nice timeout from life to just like talk about a relationship in a way that we don't normally do it. Do you mind sharing what some of the strengths and weaknesses were for you? Are I we, don't mind sharing. It's just kind of I remember our them. Weaknesses was our communication, um, our effective communication, speaking to each other lovingly and not shouting stuff. So that was that was something that we needed to work on. And I think one of mine was was that I don't listen well when we're disagreeing or something. And that's like, you know, the fact that that in what was eye opening and what I think was helpful is we start, I was able to communicate like, well, she thinks I'm just asking the same question over and over and I'm not listening to her answer. But what I'm really doing is, is I'm actually trying to get, get more information. So the tip I got was like, you know, reiterate a little bit more of what she said and, and like almost pre-qualify your question with like, here's what you said before that is interesting. And here's like why I'm going to ask another question that I'm trying to understand a little bit more about this so that she doesn't think I'm not listening and just like dense. But I think the the strengths was that like, we're very honest with each other and that like we respect each other's honesty and like opinions, which. I remember on the kind of more trivial side is that we just truly like hanging out and we have the same interests, but on the more important side is, you know, we can act as a team. And even though communication is something that we need to work on, we can get on the same team and we can act as team members. And, you know, we did this before we were raising a child. So even before it became like crucial to be, you know, on the same team. And so I think that was part of it. I think, yeah, uh, well, not to transition too much away from that question, but one of like the, I think my entrepreneurial brain, I'm always sort of evaluating what I do well and what I don't do well. Uh, and then I try to find people, especially for business who can, you know, sort of the yin and the yang type of thing. And so it's a, I like Steph's behavioral background when it comes to parenting a two-year-old she's like well this is like a scientific approach on how to do this i'm like great i have no idea what i'm doing we're just going to do that thing and so i think that sort of you know that teamwork thing i think we're really good at identifying like okay this is your strength i'm just going to trust you and you just tell me what to do and vice versa when it's something that's my strength is like cool you got this like directions you, you fix the t- <laughs> i'm you, always you, navigator you fix the tv is there anything that you would tell a younger version of yourself about marriage relationships or love like think back maybe five years ago five years ago we were just married yeah well i'm gonna think back can i think back further than five years yes because i think for me i i wasted too much time 
maybe wasted is a strong term. Um, yeah, I didn't waste too much time, (laughs) but I think it's super important that you can be who you are. Like, don't, you don't, you shouldn't have to think like, am I going to bother the person by doing what I want to do? I think if you're going to say something really mean, maybe you should think about, is that a nice thing to say? But if you're just doing something that is making you happy, like you shouldn't have to be like, "Mm, should I do that or not? And I I think I spent a lot of time trying to not doing things that I wanted to do in order to try to make the other person happy or what I thought might bother them, that type of thing. So I did encourage myself to just be myself. And if, uh, if the other person doesn't like it, it wasn't meant to be. I think I would probably put more emphasis on what I want in a life partner, even if, you know, the, my former relationships were never going to be permanent. Just, I think they could have been really superficial. And, um, I never really thought about what I want in a partner or in a teammate or anything like that. It was always just what, what worked in the moment. And there were a lot of flaws. And I think, you know, I found a a life partner in Matt and I just, I think I would have been more aware of what actually works for me and what qualities in a, in a person, you know, you you want somebody that brings you soup. It doesn't matter if the soup sucks. Like you want someone that actually wants to bring you. It matters if the soup sucks. (laughs) You know, you want somebody that wants to bring you soup at the end of the day. And I mean that, that to me, that matters. Yeah. I, I, and I think wasted time. I, don't re- yeah wasted time was was not the right expression um i think like you have to go through your journey to get to where you are and i don't think like even if i gave myself this advice 15 years ago i still would have probably dated the same people and i I'm, i think i learned a lot i learned a, i think it's important to reflect on who you date afterward and like figure out more of who you are like i think i learned like that super long relationship i was in well, it's not super long anymore. We've eclipsed that. But I learned so much about like myself and what I want in a different partner. And so I think it's important to date, like maybe not the right. If you date the wrong person, mm. you date the wrong person. I don't think you should seek out the wrong people. But I think you learn, you should be learning something from every person you date, something about yourself or about humans or whatever. About who you are, what you want in a relationship or what you don't want. Yeah. Yeah. What have you learned about yourself from the other that my creative problem solving brain sometimes solves problems in the wackiest way as possible. <laughs> and I need to accept that, that when she looks at me with like the, what the hell, or when one of my business partner looks at me with like, what the hell that it may solve the solution, but it might, it might solve the problem, but it might not be the best way to do it. Whereas in my brain, it makes total sense, but it's important to seek other people's opinions when solving problems. Sometimes Matt once constructed a pool filler upper for my inflatable pool. That was a of, good solution. Out of PVC pipe. And he went out to Home Depot and he bought like yards and yards of PVC pipe. It was easily like 30 feet of pipe. And, and constructed it all together so that we could run the tap. Um, on hot. On hot. And run and, it through and, our house. So, we could, so I could have warm pool water on the porch in my inflatable pool. And my solution was just to boil some water. You know how many pots of water we would have had to boil? But he had this, like, you know, long 
by the time effortful solution it 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 worked, it worked it better worked. because by the time you boiled the next pot of water that original yeah. pot of water would have cooled down by then Whatever. not on that stove um, so i mean it was the, the best possible solution you know he he has he has sometimes very complicated solutions to problems but his heart's in the right place yeah and it sometimes it works out um i have learned from matt that I am not the only person in the room and in a relationship, which... Wait, you thought you were the only person in another <laughs> relationship before this? I, I think I always thought about my needs and what I'm not getting. And, you know, if, like, you know, and if he's sick, maybe I should bring him soup or, you know, like, it's not just about me. And that's, that's true. You know, in, in the 20 plus years that I spent, well, not all of them dating, but... Um, most, <laughs> I just, I didn't really think about not how my actions really are, are felt. And, and, you know, and he kind of forces that makes this like very grumpy, thoughtful, I'm going to stew on this problem <laughs> face and no, right, right away. Like, okay. And it like forces a little bit of reflection on my end without even any conversations, it's just a space. So, yeah, I, I think I've learned to be a little more aware, a little more aware of another person's point of view. I've also learned that I, I fear change, whereas he embraces it, mm. particularly in business. Um, That's fair. I, I think he's always willing to dive in adverse to um, a new venture or something that he truly believes in, whereas I am a little more hesitant. Uh, oh, I got another thing I learned, which is probably pretty helpful to share. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I said a sigh of, of what's coming next. As Steph alluded to earlier, she has pretty severe anxiety. And I, maybe I just never had that serious of a relationship with someone, but I think dealing or like learning, learning that it's like real. Because, like, if you don't have anxiety, I feel like it's hard to be like, what are you freaking out about? Like, it's fine. Like, Relax. Yeah, like, what? how is this something that's stressful for you? It's, like, hard to think that it's, like, a real thing. Um, and it's, like, that debilitating of a, you know, of a stressful thing. And some are, like, you know, she's ADD and ADHD, too. You don't mind me sharing that, I hope. No, go on. Um, which, like, you know, if you don't have it, I think it's really hard to understand the brain of someone who does. I spent a ton of time like reading about it. And we went to, you know, as Steph said before, like she likes therapy. So she had a therapist like her for a bunch of years. Um, so I went to one of her sessions. Huh? A bunch of years. Yeah. I don't know how long, 10 years, eight years. I don't know. I wasn't there when you first started going. Um, but we, we went as a group and I got to uh, like pick his brain about ADD, ADHD, anxiety. And so I think I had to learn how to be way more mindful of the way that her brain works and know that like, if she's looking at her phone while I'm trying to talk to her, it's not like disrespectful to me. It's just like how her brain works. And there's like me getting mad about it is not going to make it any better. Me thinking that she's not respecting me is not going to make it any better. It's really just like, how do I work with this? Like, let me just wait till she's done doing what she whatever my she's doing is available and then 
finish, you know, talking or, or come back to it. Um, mindful is a good word. Yeah. Being mindful and aware. of the things the other deals with and incorporating that understanding and mindfulness into your interactions. And, and I think like harnessing, there is definitely benefits to the ADD, ADHD brain. I mean, you pack like a crazy person. Like <laughs> I'd never pack for any trips because she just packs everything and never forgets a thing. Like packing for the house, everything was quadruple bubble wrapped. It was nuts. So I think like in terms of figuring out strengths and weaknesses, this one packs and I just carry what she tells me to carry and put it where she tells me to put it. But I think, you know, there's, I don't know if I can spin an upside to the anxiety. Um, <laughs> that one's hard, but uh, I care. I really, really care. Yeah, about really small <laughs> things. So I don't know. I think that was a huge thing I had to learn. Was like how. I mean, I, I don't know how her brain's brain works, but I think I'm a little more more mindful of how her brain works, and I don't take it personally when her attention is elsewhere, like that crumb on the table. Steph, how was it for sharing that side of you to Matt or like for just for other listeners that are maybe experiencing anxiety or have ADHD? Like, how was it sharing it for the first time? And what's been the what are the best ways to that Matt has supported you? Good one. Um, well, I was always medicated. So for the first, I would say half of our relationship, it it was under control. And then when we decided to start trying to have a family, that's when I stopped being medicated. And specifically with the anxiety, I started to feel a lot of it over my job. And um, Matt was supportive to the nth degree of me, you know, not having to make a choice between being medicated or working because that's where, what we got to. I, I think he was really supportive of, of me being able to do other things and not being forced into a corner of having to work somewhere and be, and be medicated in order to be okay with it. So that's what kind of started the, like, you know, the support in, in that, in that arena, you know, he, he took the time to learn, as he was saying about ADD, ADHD combination. And I, you know, I have this thing where I hyper-focus and if he tries to, to talk to me while I'm hyper-focused, like he, he may not get me. And I um, definitely won't get you. And uh, he'll say to me, like, hey, can I have your attention? And I can say yes. And Or she won't hear me. me. And, and then he'll say, like, what did I just say? You know, like, can you repeat it back to me? And I, and I was listening. So, like, he'll, he'll know that if something's important, like, how, how to make sure it got through. Um, and if something's not important and I'm not getting your attention, to just go do something else. Like, don't just stand there and, like, and stew. Like, just yeah. go do something else yeah. and come back to it later. And then it's not something that I'm doing on purpose, but something that I don't, that I'm not aware of. And just that, you know, my brain works this way. And, um, you know, with the anxiety, sometimes, you know, when it's at its worst, I just need my problems fixed and I don't care how they get fixed. I don't care the weirdest, wackiest fix. I just need it fixed. You know, I, I remember our luggage got lost in Europe. And we were waiting, and this, this was like after it had already gotten lost and then found we were waiting on our next flight and they weren't loading our luggage and I was having like a 
giant breakdown. This is on the way to Amsterdam. I remember a giant yeah. mental breakdown. I was like, just fix it, just fix it, just fix it. But we were on an airplane. You can't just like fix finding my luggage um, and having them put it on the plane. And you know, I. I think the woman next to us did everything to, to calm me down. I did nothing to help I just, that one. You know, like, even in times that he can't fix it, um, you know, he, he would make an effort to say, like, okay, well, here here's what's going to happen. You know, like, he would, the whole point that he was making before about how he, like, microanalyzes every little problem. He was like, okay, well, here's what's going to happen. If we get to the airport and your luggage is not there, we're going to go to this place, and then we're going to talk to this person, and... Yeah, the fact that we had just had our luggage lost gave me the, the laundry list of here's what we're gonna do if it gets lost again. But and, you know, and offering me, well, hey, like you can get all new beauty supplies if your shampoo doesn't come and try to make light of it. That's what you know And in Europe where they can just like put all sorts of crazy chemicals in it and it's like you can get all sorts of stuff in Europe that you can't get here. Sure. Uh, my um, brother gets like sure. medicine from overseas. But, so that that was a couple of years ago. And that's how it started, and then now you know, just saying, like, "Hey, I will take care of it. It will get fixed." Um, something he says a lot, and you know, the hugs, kind of like you know, that suppression of the nervous system, like um, with the anxiety, and also just like being forgiven if I lose something. Or if I like can't get it together and just need to go away, like it, you know, there's a lot of understanding that needs to go into dealing with these things. And um, you know, he's made the effort. He's learned about it. He's he's tried to act. He's he's tried to fix. He's tried to take steps in his daily life to make sure that I'm okay. Definitely um, not perfect, though. I mean, there's definitely times where her anxiety is like. I just can't deal. And I'm like, it gets so stressful. I eventually come around to understanding that you can't help it. it. It's not, I mean, it's, it's not easy, but I think like the more you can let stuff just like roll off your back, the better. The more you can learn. Yeah. Like, learning. Well, and I think you've helped me under like a, the anxiety to, like having calm conversation with you about it is super helpful for me to understand more about how your head works Yeah. or doesn't mm-hmm. or whatever. Thank you so much for sharing that. I know that's something that way more people deal with who never talk about it or maybe struggling and, and looking for people to relate to. So I think that'll be really helpful and insightful for a lot of people. Sure. My next question is what else are you currently working on and how did you kind of land on these ideas from your many of them, I'm sure? <laughs> yeah. So the other business I've got going on right now is a, a marketing technology company that sits on a company's like mobile app or website or both and we look at what each user is actually like doing and clicking on and and not just like what page but like what's on that page um, and start building a better profile for that actual user so that there's some marketing intelligence piece there where the the marketers can then get a better understanding of of who's actually on their page but sort of where we want to have the most impact is acting as sort of like a filter for those customers. So if you're getting the weekly email uh, from this company or whatever, and uh, that weekly email isn't the content of it, isn't something you'd ever click on uh, or want to read, you just don't get it. And that way you're a little less likely to unsubscribe because they're not bothering you and annoying you and filling your inbox when you wake up. But that way, when you do get that email, it's actually something you care about. Um, and so you're actually going to open it. And, you know, we talk a lot about how marketing's always been this game of numbers and we're 
we're cool with the 15% open rate and the 2% click-through rate. And we just think those are good numbers, but we like they're actually terrible. And so we want to boost all those things. And we want to boost it by actually sending less, which is a little bit of a, a paradigm shift for uh, most of big business marketers. But that's sort of what we're working on now. And that one, I, that one was like, that was a, a white rabbit from a year, like five years ago. I got frustrated at one of the largest sports news websites and apps was sending just horrible push notifications. And I was like, man, I think I could do a better one. LeBron uh, James eats Whopper for lunch. Yeah. <laughs> it was just stuff I didn't care about um, that they're pushing to my phone. So when we sold the last company, I finally had a little money to play around with. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start exploring this. Worst case, I can uninstall their app. And as we started sort of laying the groundwork for it, we realized that the the core technology we'd need to sort of drive that sports news app was actually probably something really powerful for other companies. So now we're in the process of opening that up and signing up beta customers who want to help embrace like the new wave of marketing. That's awesome. Just for kicks and giggles, what are some of the other white rabbits that didn't make it through? <sighs> Steph, do you have some favorites that make you laugh still? There's, I'm like, I'm worried I'm going to say something that someone takes. There, I'm, I'm willing to share one up. I've shared it up to other people. I don't know if you remember any other ones, but all right. One of them I've always wanted to do was build a smart fridge that has a barcode reader all around sort of like the, I don't, I don't know anything about fridges. I don't know the right lingo, but around the edge. And that all like the, the shelves in there and the drawer, the doors all have like little weight uh, sensors in it. So when you like take out the sour cream, it scans the barcode as you just pull it out and it knows which shelf just got lighter. So it says, okay, the sour cream just got eight ounces lighter or sorry, this shelf just got eight ounces lighter. Boom. It scanned the sour cream. That must be the sour cream. When I put it back down and it's only six ounces, it knows I used two ounces of it. So it knows that I just used a quarter of my sour cream. So it auto updates a grocery list for you. And hell, it could even like API into uh, Whole Foods or Amazon. The most complicated mm. fridge you will ever buy, yeah, ladies but, and gentlemen. But it can just order food for you. <laughs> and it knows when stuff gets put in because, like for the first time because it gets scanned after it just ordered food. Uh, and so it knows like, okay, if I just put in some romaine lettuce, which the produce and the fruit becomes a, a slightly more difficult problem. But if you notice, they do have little <laughs> stickers with codes on them. So I think it's possible. But let's get strawberries. We go through a lot of strawberries and they go bad a lot. But if we had a fridge that kind of like knew when stuff was going to get bad, it could give us a little heads up. Hey, we expect your strawberries to go bad in another day or two. You should eat these. Less food waste. We, you know, would be more efficient if we didn't have to like make a grocery list and then go to the grocery store or plunk it in on, on Whole Foods or whatever. That, that one's for free. <laughs> I just want to see if it's done. I think it'd be awesome. Are there any solutions to things like the hot tub pvc pipe inflatable pool uh, this one isn't isn't matt specific but this is my favorite um and it's very it is very matt so matt's dad is um was very similar to his brain worked very similarly to to how matt's works and um so matt's dad had a fence bordering his property and he put holiday lights on the fence every year. But instead of 
um, just winding the holiday lights up into, you know, a, a ball about yay big. At the end, every year, he decided that he was going to nail these holiday lights onto um, two by fours, right? He's, yeah. He screwed them into two by fours. So he didn't have to actually string the lights every year. He put hooks on the fence and hung the two by fours on the fence. So instead of having to store a little ball of Christmas lights, he had to store like giant, like eight foot long two by fours. Two by fours. <laughs> In order to put these lights up. And to me, just making something that is so simple as to just string some holiday lights up along a fence into the most complicated, but like it did save him time. Lots of time. It was worth it. And so that's just, that's how <laughs> that brain works. And so like that's what I like in a lot of his solutions too. Like, yes, it may save time, but like, are you complicating something as simple as stringing some Christmas lights across a fence? I'm all about efficiency. Efficiency. I'm all about efficiency. Yeah. Um, I'm all about storage space. So, but, but, um, and that, so that's not a Matt one. That's, that is all Matt's dad, but, um, it is very much how his brain works sometimes. That's fun. Thanks for sharing that. Last three questions is where can we find you and support you on the, your ventures? Uh, so Aramu, A-R-A-M-M-U.com. Uh, that's that relationship checkup one. Uh, and then the marketing technology company is Opti, and that's O-P-T-I-E-A-P-P.com, optiapp.com. What are your favorite parts about your spouse? Um, he's a phenomenal dad and a phenomenal cook. Super you had those like super, ready to go. Soup exploded. Um, I make good soup now. Thing, you know, I make I, good soup now. Don't I? Yeah. Matzo ball soup, <laughs> carrot soup. Um, that's right. I don't know if chili he's just, counts. He's a, a good, he's a good partner to have. If I don't, if I don't feel well, he, he, he takes over and, and does it. I mean, like he's just the, the partner you want to have in life. Just that ha- always has your back and makes things easier for you instead of harder and wants to make your day better and lighten your workload. That's for me. Mm-hmm. I Steph's very quick, quick witted. And I, I don't know. I like what? You can't even do the eyebrow. eyebrow. (laughs) Um, You come up with some absolute gems from time to time. And that, like, I just, I don't know. I like being with someone who challenges me. You know, what she was talking about earlier with, like, wanting or or offering input into the startups or whatever. She's not afraid to challenge me on, on, hey, is this, are you stapling lights to two by fours? That makes no sense. Like, she'll call me out if I'm being silly or crazy or stupid. And I appreciate that. And, uh, I respect her, her quick wittedness when it comes like if we're cracking jokes or whatever, quick wit's awesome. And if, you know, I, I don't know, I appreciate her, her input and insight. You know, I think I don't know anything about applied behavior analysis, so I tend not to chime in, but I could make the same argument that you don't know too much about startups, but I like that she has like the outsider's perspective. I don't think you like I think everyone knows a little bit about startups. Like it's not that hard to, I think it takes more guts than it does brains, guts and heart. That's a, you can quote me on that one. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I appreciate. Yeah, you don't need brains. No, no brains. I mean, it's important to have a good idea, but I think it's more important to have guts and heart behind it. Also brains. <laughs> some and you need to be smart enough like to know it's not going to work or to pivot but that's where like having a spouse is like that's a dumb idea 
or here's how I think you can make your idea better. I don't think you should say to an entrepreneur, that's a dumb idea. I think you should say, here's how you can make that idea better. But yeah, I, I respect her brain. Beautiful. What is the best relationship advice you've ever been given or could give? Take the time to learn about what challenges your spouse, what makes life hard for them and learn about it and um, use your resources, maybe the internet or psychiatrists and find out how you can help and how you can assist them and make their life better. Mine is advice I was given by Ferris Bueller, (laughs) which is life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around, you could miss it. I think it's important to hit pause and evaluate what either what's going on in your relationship or just take time for like hit pause on everything else and just take time for the two of you type of thing. I think in sort of that same vein, like life is quick, like life is fast, like don't take everything so damn seriously. So I don't know that's, that's my, I, I always, that quote, I mean, I know it's the ending quote of the movie, but spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> but I, it's always, it's stuck with me. Like ever since I saw it, maybe it's, that was John Hughes. I think he's, he's got a knack for those, but yeah, I, that's always stuck with me is, you know, to, to step back and, and take a look at things and, and take time to like soak everything in. So I don't know. That's the best advice mm-hmm. I've gotten. Thanks, Ferris. Yeah. wonderful and before we move on to the last question i just want to say thank you so much for making time to come on here and share so honestly about your experience and everything it's been just a blast having you guys on so thank you matt and steph yeah and last question is what does love or love intently mean to you i have always thought that a huge warning sign in a relationship is when you're not fighting not fighting because things are going well is is great but if you are having an issue and you're not fighting that means that you don't care to solve the problem and so to me or communicating at all yeah yeah like if you're just you don't have to fight yeah yeah it's like you're not (laughs) talking like no, no one so to me loving intently means that you're like willing to understand the other person and want to know what makes them tick and what makes them upset and what you can do to to make that better or try to avoid it in the first place. Yeah. So to me, love intently is like always being willing to, to fight and to talk. Cause I, I think as much as fighting sucks, I think if you're not willing to fight, that's a bigger problem than fighting itself. I'm going to say love intently means you know, when you find someone that you're willing to share love with, what may it be a, a friend or a significant other or anyone that you love, love them with a pur- I mean, with a purpose. You know, share with them, the work care in. about them, um, ch- you know, check up on them. You know, put the effort into to see how you can make their day better. Your answer is better. <laughs>
Thank you so much for listening this week. We really cherish your time and have deep gratitude that you choose to listen to the Love Intently podcast each week. We have a gift for you. As we mentioned, we're doing an epic giveaway of one relationship checkup through Aramu. For the details to enter, go to our Instagram page and go find the graphic with Matt and Steph on this podcast release episode for details to enter. This has a value for $200 and is backed by 20 years of research. And not to mention they've been featured on Rachel Ray, CNN, New York Times, and The Oprah Magazine. And remember, it's not just for couples who are struggling, but a preventative intervention to keep your relationship thriving and strong. Thank you so much for listening again. And if you liked what you heard, please go and leave a review or share and subscribe. It really helps other people find us and helps me know what content or what guests to bring on in the future. Have a fabulous week until next time with love and intention.